Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Every Monday episode from now through February is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism, and we'll be talking about them more after the break. Before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can always like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same amazing moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly want to get your feedback, especially on today's very special discussion about baseball. That's right. And Raymond, where can they find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Ray Solis, and you can also find me on Instagram at Ray Solis One. And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis Three and Twitter at Rudy Solis Three R D. And then for our very special historic guest, the first woman, Raymond, I believe has ever been on the Goldcast. That's correct, right? That's a hundred percent accurate. Wow. Well, if they wanted to engage in discussion with you, where could they find you after this episode? You can find me at Lexi Burroughs LA on Instagram. Boom. All right. Here we go. So, Raymond, let's just give the people a heads up. This is an MLB-centric episode with our first ever female guest. This is incredible. This is a historic moment in what has been a very historic year for the Gold Cast. I feel this is only fitting. What do you think? I think it's absolutely appropriate. It's time. The fans have waited. Absol- Everyone's paid their dues. <laughs> they've waited a long time. You know, every episode they've been like, what about the women, though? <laughs> every episode. And now here it is, your very first female guest. And we are going to be discussing how we're going to fix the MLB. And Lexi and I don't agree on how to fix the MLB, but that is what this discussion will be. And Raymond will be the special moderator. But first, as always, the greatest intro in the podcasting game right now. Your professor fanism, he's in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game, he's here too. Classes in session, let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. <laughs> Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. And our esteemed co-host for the people, Lexi Burroughs. Wow. Lexi Burroughs, welcome to the Gold Cast. How does it feel to know that you are the very first woman that's ever been on the Gold Cast? Immense pressure. Apparently, all of your uh, fans have been wanting a woman on your. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure what that says, but <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do what I can. Excellent, excellent. Means okay, there's so... too much testosterone, so we had to mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> we had to mix it up. Okay, so uh, Lexi's actually in studio, Ray. She's in Goldcast Studio, Live. In Los Angeles. No, not via satellite, uh, satellite like Candlestick Will, or you know, and so. That's a pretty amazing. That's a first. Oh yeah, that's a first too. Pretty well outside amazing, of like Louis B or something like that. Oh, uh, and Louis Louis B 
Luby's never fully been in studio. A couple times he's been in studio, but most of the time he's not. But Lexi is actually here in the Goldcast studios to debate this uh, this epic topic. So, Lexi, let's give a little bit about your background. Um, why why you why you're here on the show to talk MLB with us? Well, I am a former athlete, and I grew up playing softball from the time I was seven to I quit when I was eighteen, my senior year. So that was um, tournament play for year-round um, and traveling all over the country and doing all those sorts of things on the college track, the collegiate track, to one day go to college. And then I ended up leaving my senior year and decided I didn't want to do that any longer. I coached for a few years afterwards. I coached um, 10 and 12 and under girls for a year, and then I moved up and I was an outfield coach for the 16 and under and 18 and under girls from the the team that I came from. Nice. And would you consider yourself a very big MLB fan? I am quite the MLB fan. Now, now, okay. what was or, what was the name of this team that you came from? The name of my team was the Central Texas Avengers. So we got this name. It's pretty before, awesome. <laughs> yeah, but definitely before the movies came out. So this was. Actually, we, I believe um, the inauguration of the team was in the 80s, and it was named after the British television show. So uh, we, we definitely oh. have no affiliation with um, the Marvel or, or anything. So they can't. So that, that eventually became a movie too, not. right? The Avengers, like the British edition. Wasn't there a film? It did, yes. That... Actually, ScarJo was in that one, I, I think. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure there was a film, yeah. It's called The Avengers, and it was about a super team, but not in the same vein as Marvel's iteration. No, they were like they were like MI6 spies, kind of. That's right. That's what yeah, it was. Spies. Wasn't yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Ralph Fiennes was in that cast? I don't know. We're getting off topic. If he that's, wasn't, then he definitely should have been. That's a films revisited cast. That's a different podcast. We're not. Uh, we're not that cast. Definitely not that cast. I was gonna say, Lexi. I think that um, I think you're wrong. I think it was named after the Marvel Avengers. I think it was actually based on the comic book. You think my team was named after the Marvel Avengers? I've made this decision right here now. Oh, that's fantastic! I'm so happy. <laughs> despite to have this rich history despite historical record, this team. is amazing. <laughs> in Texas, I I forget. Yes, everybody in San Francisco knows everybody from Texas, so I'm sure they're just old friends. <laughs> old friends, exactly. Okay, so. We actually, Raymond, had this debate. Lexi and I had this debate offline, and I said, you know, we need to bring it to the podcast. We need to save it. So let's break down the rules for the Goldcast Nation. This is a, a, a going to be a fun, live little debate. Basically, Raymond is going to moderate, and I am going to present to Lexi four, four propositions, if you will, four changes to the landscape of the MLB, some extremely drastic, some necessary. Four? I was told one. No, 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 no. All four. All four. 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 We, we discussed all four. We discussed all four. Mm. So four major changes to the MLB that I think would improve the sport and bring it into the modern era, if you will. And Raymond will be the moderator. Lex and I will be, be debating on whether or not these are foolproof ideas. She may agree with some. She might not agree with any of them. We're going to find out here in real time on the Goldcast. So, Raymond, when you're ready... For me to present these arguments, you let me know. I was just curious before we start. So, Lexi, you said you're from Texas, and I know we talked a little bit about this 
off off pod, you know, is there any MLB team that you lean towards despite not having a kind of more ardent or what would be expected by, you know, listeners to think, oh, she's from Texas. She must lean towards team A and team B. We all know what teams reside there. So what team do you tend to lean towards at this stage in your life? Naturally. Of course, if you are from Texas, which is the land of sports, you're going to have a team that you grew up with. Um, I definitely grew up with the Rangers being more of a, of a go-to team. My brother liked the Rangers when we were much younger, so of course anything he liked I kind of tagged on to. I can tell you who I don't like, and that is the Astros. So I think that's just end of discussion right there. Nobody needs to get into that whole big mess. But I would definitely say if I had to lean towards it, I'd go with the Rangers. Uh-huh. Even the uh, my, my favorite era was the Ron Washington era of the Rangers, just because Ron Washington is a former third base coach for the Oakland Athletics, and I'm fond of that team and fond of him. But that's as far as my affiliation goes. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I like that team, too. Well, back-to-back World Series with that coach, so... That speaks a lot for him. Anyways, getting into our discussion here. So we have some arguments here. Now, first, we need to hear the argument followed by the rebuttal. So why don't we start with the first? The, I mean, the topic is how to improve baseball, how to make it better. They have viewership has dwindled over the years, you know, especially since the steroid era. There was a huge spike in viewership during that whole thing and the, and the home run races that were taking place on that time. And, you know, then Barry Bonds big, you know, record breaking season and also record setting career. But since then, since the steroid has been, you know, come out, come to light, along with a lot of other you know, there's MLB has a periodic scandal every year. We all know what the latest one is, which we won't get into. That's a separate pod. But Rudy, you th- you seem to think that you have several amendments that you'd like to present to MLB in order to make the sport more enjoyable to its original audience. Perhaps some of the people that have turned away from baseball bring those people back, and also perhaps expand the viewership with some of these amendments. So why don't you present argument number one of your four? Okay. I think it's very important. I want to make this clear from the beginning. I love the MLB. I'm actually perfectly fine with the MLB as it's currently constructed, but clearly America as a country is not based on the lack of viewership and lack of attendance year in and year out. I think MLB postseason is the best I love playoff baseball. I actually like the way it's structured. I find it superior to the NBA in terms of its overall structure. And the World Series is the shit. It's so dope. So having said that, these changes, I must say, come with love and affection for the sport and my attempt to, as I said, modernize it and put it in the modern era. So the first rule, the first article from Rudy's perfect plan (laughs) to repair the MLB. Number one, we cut the games in half and I would say we, we get rid of half the games and we're going to be somewhere around NBA level I would say 80 to 82 games that's rule number one cut the games in half now there's another rule to help with this I have some rules there but number one cut, there's too many games there's too many games in baseball nobody cares in the modern era too many games that's the first thing now I want you to expand on that because last time we talked and you you had presented this argument to me I literally thought you meant at first you want to like cut like the game time in half and I was like no no 
However, I do agree with you on the amount of games in a season. It's 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 a lot. And like you were saying with the structure of um or the restructuring overall, I think the point you had made, I believe, was that you you focus on what, much like how the NFL does, so one game each week and you and you focus on on one team. So and and major league doesn't do that. You know, you focus on multiple teams throughout the you know, and entire thing throughout the entire week, which I agree. It's a lot. It's plus a, just hard on your body. It's hard on the players. And I kind of agree with you on this. Like, focus more each week on a team and then cut it in half. And honestly, you probably have players last a lot longer. So we're in agreement on that one. She agrees with me. that, And yes, so just for the viewership, what I'm saying is we cut the amount of games that players that the MLB has. We're, we're looking at somewhere between 80, 82 games, uh, 82 game season. That's rule number one. Yeah, there's actually no getting, rhyme or reason why, this, why they play as many games as they do. I mean, originally they played no, 154. And they wanted to, each teams to play their division rivals like 17, 18 times, I believe. Uh, originally, uh, they, I think they wanted each team to play 22 times, which would be nearly 200 games a season. But then they settled on 18, like, hmm, maybe that's a bit much. 162. Let's bring it down by mm, 38. I think that's fair. So, but again, uh, you know, from my position, they're. According to history, there is no rhyme or reason why it's 162. That's just what they decided to do. It's it's mini series throughout the entire season, which is, is is a bit ridiculous. You know, even though I'm more of a neutral position on this this episode, I do actually agree with you both on this one. That I I wouldn't mind that. I think it's fine. Can you actually tell me when? So has it always been that amount of games for each season since like the the dawn of time? No, they played 154 games previously, and then from 1961, from uh, AL teams would play opponents 18 times each for a total of 162. The National League played a 154 game schedule for the final time in 1961, also before switching to 162 when they also expanded to 10 teams for the following season. Okay, interesting. Because my only thought on that would be, and I'm just completely talking like off the cuff here, would be, I mean, how many sports teams were people really out, like professional sports teams were out there that you were actually watching at that time, whereas not very many. So baseball was one of the main ones. So why not just fill the year with what you want to go watch and do? And now you have so much to choose from. You need to condense it down. And the game is just played a little bit differently in terms of, like, like you were saying, like, um, athletes are much stronger now, therefore you're more prone to injuries and things like that. But that's just what I wanted to ask. Thank you. Yeah, it's almost like they went from the championship backwards in terms of how they set up the season. It's like, hey, the championship is a seven-game series. Why not make the season a whole, you know, slew of mini-series? We'll, except we'll cut it in half, you know, to, to account for time so we can, you know, play within a reasonable amount of time within the within the year, which is nine months. But who knows? So with that said, let's go on. So Rudy, all right. So we we are even at one one, meaning we're you're both in agreement with argument number one. So Rudy, what do you think the second amendment should be in order to improve Major League Baseball? All right. So I'm starting very wide, and we're going to get lower and lower, closer to the mound, shall we say, as as each rule begins. Okay. So, so this is so this is rule. so first base. Now we're at second base. Got it. So second base. Second base on Rudy's perfect plan to save the MLB. Lexi loves when I call it that. Now, the next thing, which she kind of alluded to, 
a little bit in her when she was talking. One series per week. And that's also how we can spread baseball out through the calendar year again. I don't know exactly how this works out. We'd have to, you know, that part we'd have to obviously mess with a little bit. But instead of playing multiple series in a week, which is often two, sometimes three, you would play one series, one team every week. Similar to NFL, one of the things that makes the NFL so successful is the fact that we can spend, after a series, after a game is done, we can spend the entire week prognosticating what's going to happen in the next in the next game the following week. I want to capture some of that in the MLB. So it's one series a week. You play one team. That's the only team you're going to play the whole week. And all, we, all leading up to that, that series of games, you are simply talking about the matchup between those two teams. And so that way also, if you're only playing one series a week, that will help us spread this spread the season out and to stay somewhere in the length of around the same length that it currently is uh, right now, you know, which is about a nine-month season. So that would be my second rule is one team per week, only one series per week per team. So, Lexi, do you agree or disagree with that change? I agree, and that piggybacks on what I was saying on the first point as well. I think it 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 um it still gives you the kind of focus that I think a lot of people will still be looking for. You know, like the purists that really don't want anything to change. Like you're still going to get that length of time that you're watching b- baseball. It's just not necessarily going to be so like so many multiple teams in one week. But it, I. I think that over time you will be able to create that type of anticipation and hype with one team a week, much like the NFL does. It, I mean, of course it would take some getting used to, but I definitely think that that's a good answer for the original point or the first point, which is cutting the season in half. Now I imagine now would this be like throughout the, for clarification, like would this be, you know, seven games every day of the week, or would this be like five to account for travel schedule? Because one team's going to be the home team, one team's going to be the visiting team, and there since it's not going to be like a World Series, which goes back and forth between each team's home stadium, it would be regular season rules, which is you're playing away, and and then you'll you'll play at home. So in in, in the in the visiting team's case, like would they play five games like Monday through Friday? How would that schedule look like? That's a great question, and I'm going to answer that. But first, let's take a break. This is the Gold Cast. Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Hey, Gold Cast Nation, Cactus League begins this Friday, February 22nd. I can't believe it's here. And you know what that means it means that baseball has finally returned. This spring, you can follow the San Francisco Giants, the Oakland A's, or your favorite baseball team to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Arizona offers a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in Greater Phoenix within 50 miles. You can meet the players and get autographs before games. Maybe somebody can tell Madison Bumgarner how long we've been starting the Madison Bumgarner Come Back to the Giants campaign because we've done this for seven weeks now. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. We like Goldwater because it reminds us of the gold cast. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That site one more time is visit arizona.com slash spring training and let them know that the gold cast sent you. 
So I still think it would be a typical, um, I would say, probably still staying with a three-game series. And you would it would not be like playoff rules where we go back and forth. You'd be the away team. You'd play away for the three straight games. Or you'd be at home playing at home for the three straight games. Just like we do in regular in uh, regular season baseball. The one thing that we, what I would be open to be considering is if we would maybe play every other day. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday to spread it out through the week. I would not, but I would, I would be fine if, if the MLB said, well, we could do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like go straight through. It doesn't matter to me either direction. I leave that in the hands of the MLB pros. So it's like, so it's three games, a mini series, just like in the regular season, then a break, and then they resume the three game series. No, then that well, then they go on to the next team, just like a normal MLB season. But it's, you said you, I thought you said you wanted a week long series. No, 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 no. I said only one series per week. Ah, so it's so it's a three game series for you know, let's say this week, and they play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then what happens? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They travel to the mm-hmm. next team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then it'd be two I'll... series in a week. No, one series per week. See, Raymond's brain can't. He won't let, he won't let it. <laughs> now I'm confused. <laughs> I'm supposed to be Raymond, neutral one... here. I'm just trying to grasp the concept. One, teary... one team, one series per week. That's it. So you, you play three games a week. That's all you play. Oh, that's it. So then, so then, yes. that's it. You're done for that week, and then the other four days of the week. So there's one, you know, one to two days of travel to prepare for the next team, if if you're going to travel some more. And then media spends the remainder of that week dissecting and discussing that series. And then, of course, there'll be overlap. I would assume there'd be overlap too. So like, if, you know, let's say Giants and Dodgers play Monday through Wednesday, and then Arizona Diamondbacks. And Boston Red Sox play, you know, Thursday through Sunday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not only that, it also gives you more time to prepare for the following opponent, which I think would actually lead to big, better offensive play and possibly better defensive play. Which is which is crazy in and of itself, considering how dominant defense is in baseball already. I mean, these guys, the fielding percentage, like you're not good if you're like 92%, but you're great if you're 96%. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a small margin <laughs> for error. Um, okay, so moving on here. So that is two for two. So far, so good. Not much of a debate here, guys. Jeez, just kidding. So, Rudy, what is, <laughs> what's going to be um, amendment number three? And this is, I think, these last two, as far as my recollection is concerned, because I've looked at the uh, the list once, but I haven't really um, gotten into the nitty-gritty with it, nor will I. But what is amendment number three, which I think is now we're going to start to get into the the more narrow refinements on what you believe will improve the big leagues? So now the next one shortens the actual game itself. So we all we've done is shorten, right? We cut half the season in half. But then we and then we add we have only one series per week. But so we spread those series out through the whole calendar year. But now we're actually getting closer to the mound as we round third base. And now as we round third base, I propose only seven inning games. Seven. That's it. We get rid of nine. Can't do nine no more. Nine's too long. These three and a half hour games is too long. We're in the YouTube era. 
I need things I need things between 60 seconds and 15 minutes, man. That's my cutoff. That's my mental cutoff. I can't do these three and a half hour games now. I personally can. Well, there there is a contingent of YouTubers that, that do love uh, you know, their three hour Joe Rogan podcasts. But um so so Lexi, what do you think here? Now, based on your knowledge of baseball, not only your your collegiate play and your coaching career, but also your fondness of the pro circuit, how do you feel about shortening the game from nine to from nine innings to seven? Okay, so I am I am on board with the shortening of the game. So in softball, you only have seven innings. You don't go nine. Nine, that's aggressive. Nobody wants to be doing that. You'll be there forever. So while I do agree with you on shortening and and doing seven innings, what I honestly think you need to look at even closer is what is causing these games to go three hours long in nine innings. Because if you look at, say, let's take it back to, let's just go to, to high school play. So when you hit 14 years old, you start playing on the same size infield as as all the big boys in baseball. Now, the outfield is not going to be as large. Um, I believe whenever you're first starting out or, like, say, high school level, I believe the fence is at around 300, and then you are, are – or, I'm sorry, maybe, like, around 250, 300, and then you get up to college, and it's a little bit larger, and then you get up to major leagues, and it's 400. So that's one big outfield that you're trying to cover. And I remember when we had – briefly touched on this discussion I came out with a very aggressive (laughs) point which was I feel that a little bit of why people get frustrated at the movement and the time of the major leagues is for one you're watching it on television so a lot of the ambiance and a lot of everything that's going on is is lost I I believe you really need to be up close to be involved in everything that's going on because it is a little bit of a slower paced game you know it's not football so I agree with on with you on shortening it. However, I believe some of the argument is the the players itself and the fact that it's it's a show, it's entertainment. So it takes a little bit longer and everything just moves at a little bit more of a pace because it's it's there's a little bit more expected of you whenever you're in the major leagues. There's a little bit more expect a, a little bit more bravado, a little bit more hamming it up. Like all all of these different things that go on. You you've got the mascot, you've got, you know, what throwing balls up to the kids and in, in, in the stands and all these things, bat girls, bat boys running in and off the field. It's it's a circus. So you take it back to say high school. It's the same amount of innings. It's the same game. It is not three hours long. So you got to ask yourself, what is okay? So what is really what's taking the <coughs> long time? Is it the game itself, or is it necessarily like the major leagues? So if you go to a high school game and you're watching the exact same game, everything's played the same, it's all the same innings, it's all the same rules, but these games are not lasting three hours. Because when you get up to the major leagues, it is such more of an intellectual, psychological game that you are playing at that point. It really is much like chess. All the kinds of different things are going on. So then that kind of ties into what happened with the Astros. What did they get in trouble for? Well, they got in trouble for a lot. But at the same time, it is nothing but a chess game. So today, actually, uh, Major League announced that mu- much what this podcast is about is people are upset at the fact that everything is moving such so slow pace. So in order to speed up the game, they've implemented in the new 2020 season that they are taking out the um, one, uh, no, I'm sorry, not pitch hitter, um, relief pitcher. So the one batter relief pitcher that comes in, that is no more. 
every relief pitcher is going to see at least three batters. So this alleviates, you know, sitting over there in the bullpen when you've got five relief pitchers that are basically just waiting for the for their batter that they're going to be throwing up against to come up, sometimes down to the exact pitch. Like these people, you, you know, these guys get traded in and out on that mound in the middle of the count. So it's not necessarily just like, oh, I've got, you know, this batter that I want this pitcher to specifically throw against. It's down to like, the exact pitch that they want them to throw. So it's not just coming in on the count or being taken out on a certain time in the count. So now, uh, and and many people are upset by this. But if yeah, I don't you think know. I don't know how it, I feel about that. But but continue. But 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 think about how often it takes for you to actually interchange those pitchers. I'm I'm I mean I I, I tried to Google it. I couldn't find it. But I'm gonna say upwards of at least maybe like what. Three to five minutes. You got to get him in there. He's got to throw a couple pitches. I believe that's still how they do it. Throw a couple pitches. Right. The there, there's so a warm up. To, yeah. Isn't that the weird thing? Sorry, exactly. sorry to interrupt. They warm up to get ready to throw in the live game. And then when they're done warming up, the manager makes a call, left arm, right arm. The pitcher comes in and then throws another series of warm-up pitchers to the starting catcher. Now, perhaps it's because it's a starting catcher. I don't know. It's just a little redundant. It's a little redundant, and honestly, that boy has been over there in that bullpen for however long, throwing all game. He's warm. He's good. But, of course, you need to see the pitch, the whole thing, just for the mindset. But that's 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 a lot of show. That's a lot going on. That takes a lot of time out of the game. So then you end up with these three-hour games, three-and-a-half-hour games. Oh, heaven forbid that you actually go into extra innings. You're going to be there for four or five hours. Nobody wants to live that life. It's entirely too long. So... I this this is where I start to kind of split from you a little bit on the innings thing and and really want want you to take a look at is it really is it really the time and the game that is 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 upsetting or is it really just the whole show of being in the major leagues? I see you cut it down to seven innings. (laughs) Oh my gosh, your face! (laughs) Now these are some interesting things. Now what about you know we MLB has flirted with the 20-second pitch clock, much like a shot clock in the NBA, there's also a 20-second pitch clock that they used in spring training last season. I don't know if they're going to do it this year. I know that college baseball and the Southeastern Conference have used, experimented this. I think they did it back in 2010. Um, I think... Uh, Pitch clocks also, you know, got came into the Arizona Fall League in 2014. You know, I think something like that would be also a nice addition. But I mean, that's I'm getting off topic there, but I'm adding some amendments here. But I think something like that, which they've already discussed, um, would be uh, something they need to do because, yeah, the whole process you just broke down, Lex. That's um, that's definitely in an. I mean, that's why people. That's why it's family friendly. I mean, you can go get a hot dog, you can get a beer, you can play a game of chess for God's sakes. By the time you actually get back to the actual baseball game, <laughs> so but but Rudy, so you believe it should be seven? Now the weird thing is like that also kind of seems to interfere with the whole mathematics of how baseball is organized. You know, nine players, three strikes. Uh, three bait four well actually four bases but like three three that are in the field of uh, you know there's even numerical values to each position um just like you know uh, even though the num- the numbers on a jersey is is less relevant to the actual number of their position on the general you know per uh field field perception so 
there's some interesting uh, things there that you're kind of disrupting. I wonder how if that would or have an effect on the other aspects of the game that all seem to have some sort of mathematical link outside of, say, balls, because balls are four. It's one of the only even numbers in, in the game that, that's counted. And I know that used to be like eight or seven back in like the late 1800s, but I think in 1889 they finally settled on four, which is weird. It was super weird back then, even longer. I mean, I, I would I don't see how they weren't four-hour games back then. But uh, but let's move on. So Lex is kind of on on the you know on board, but there, there's also some some you have a little bit of pushback, or not really. So it's it's almost like you guys are three for three in agreement here. But let's get to our last amendment, which I think will be the most controversial. And Rudy, this is one that you saved for last on purpose because you believe that it is that people are not going to see eye to eye with you on this one for a variety of reasons. But let's get into the argument. So what is your fourth and final amendment? So we're done with first through third base. Let's bring it home. What do you think would be the final cherry on top touch to make the big leagues much better for the viewer. Man, Lexi's literally, I wish this was on video. She's biting her tongue. her head. <laughs> her hand is in her face and she's shaking her head and already in anticipation. She is like, already. So Raymond, we've gotten closer and closer. Now we're going to the mound. We have rounded home base and we're going to the mound now. And we're going to illegalize all pitches over 95 miles an hour. All right, now all gone. Now I'm gonna try to. Wow. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bite my tongue here and, and just <laughs> pass this Even off. Even Raymond wants to bite his tongue. Pass this off to Lex here. So Lex, uh, g- let's go ahead and get started on this one because I feel like this is where the bulk of the episode is really gonna take shape. Now, wh- how do you feel? A, how do you feel about it? And B, why does this work or not work in terms of? eliminate or making it illegal for pitchers to throw above 95 miles per hour my first question is going to be what what is your philosophy behind can we say eliminating the 95 mile an hour pitch i feel like saying illegal is just a tad aggressive i really think if we just say eliminated and keep that in vocabulary this can be a civilized conversation well, wow, we're well, starting here's the on thing, the semantics though, like, of what, the argument. We're not even arguing yet. To she me, it sounds she doesn't I, like the way I'm being presented. It almost this sounds is like very controversial. So let me let me throw this in there. But I, I kind of think I, I feel like your argument, Rudy, is that it needs to be illegal because that because, again, you're this is sports and sports is about discipline and boundaries. And so if you're creating a if you're now restricting the boundary on pitchers, then like most sports, when they go beyond that boundary, there's often a foul called, you know, like if you if a pitcher balks, the 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 batter gets to take the base. If a defensive lineman crosses the line of scrimmage, that's called off off offsides encroachment. There's a penalty for that. So are you also saying that a penalty should be associated or or should be charged to the pitcher and or team if they go above 95 miles per hour? Yes. Oh now what? Now what is the penalty though? Does the runner get a free base? Does 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 why an existing do, runner get a base? It, why do you want it illegal anyway? <laughs> okay, let's start, let's start let's start with let, the, I'm getting a lot of questions thrown at me from both sides right now. I, I I feel I feel a little claustrophobic in this in this cold cast right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple different things about this very quickly. Okay, number one, I am following the model that the NFL 
and the MBA and the MBA, MBA now more than ever are trying to adopt, and that is how do we modernize these sports, continue to modernize sports to make them more television-friendly and more audience-friendly in this current age. And the NFL has been the best at it, despite all of its issues, despite all the things that people complain about. They have made a lot of changes, and it is actually, I think, perfectly suited to an American audience. It's why it's not just the number one sport in America, but I mean, just leaps and bounds. The number one sporting, the number one watched thing in America. They are bigger than any television drama or comedy show. And in fact, NFL, they, they said, this was really interesting. I was reading this a, a couple years back that the NFL used to compare their numbers uh, to investors and sponsors. Uh, they used to compare their numbers to the NBA and the MLB. And then they stopped doing that because they were so far ahead. And then they started comparing them to the Big Bang Theory and other television shows going, that's not even compare. That's not even, doesn't even matter about the rest of sports. Let's just compare about to the number one largest television shows on the planet Earth that America's watching. They don't even compare to our numbers, right? And what have, what has the NFL and the NBA, what have they both done very successfully? And what they've done very successfully is they've manufactured more points for the offenses and slowly but surely hamstrung the defenses. Now, the 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 I would say the NBA is a pure offensive sport, the most offensive sport, arguably probably in the world. It's why it's probably the second most popular sport in the world. I definitely see a a, play, a world where it surpasses soccer. I mean, it is huge internationally, but it's the most offensive sport. The NFL is. I say is is an offensive sport, but with some strong defensive leanings, a.k.a. look at the 49ers last year. Defenses still matter. Defenses still win championships. Look two years ago to the Patriots and the Rams. And then you have the MLB, which is a pure defensive sport. It's a defensive sport, the most defensive sport. And while a sport like soccer internationally is very successful with a similar model of where the scores end, you know, three to two, two to three, it also has a tremendous amount of action. The MLB has low scoring and little action. And in today's age, you got to give the audiences something. This is why soccer is slowly starting to creep up on the backs of the MLB as being the, a, very, a very popular sport uh, in the United States. So what I'm saying here is, is that what we have to do is find ways to manufacture more offense. We have to find ways to begin to hamstring the defense. And I don't know whether there's no other way to say it. I wish there was a a more, uh, I don't know, politically correct way to say this, but that is what the NFL and the NBA have done. They've hamstrung defenses and given the more advantages to the offense in an attempt to manufacture more points by having the rules benefit offenses the problem in the MLB is we do not have that and in order for us to begin that road we have to start with the pitching which is why I have illegalized pitches over 95 miles an hour and I don't know Raymond to your question your question is do we do we allow you know do we does a pitcher get to automatically go on to the base i kind of like that one well that, well that's pretty good so like in the uh, in the pitch count in the pitch clock rule if the pitcher takes beyond the allotted time given to him then the batter's awarded a ball that's another one so like if they threw above 95 miles an hour the umpire would say automatic ball now, here's the thing, though, I like about what you proposed about automatically getting on base. This helps my 
more opportunities for MLB I offenses realize to score. That now. <laughs> it's like I just fed you this one. Because if they go on base, automatic, automatic on base. That's like a it's it's like pass interference, which is probably the most brutal Brutal penalty a, def- a defense in football can perform right is off as pass interference because not only does the ball not not only is the ball placed wherever the pass attempt occurred but they get an automatic brand new set of first downs. It is it is the it can be the backbreaker. Am I right? Do we agree on this as a as a group? One of the worst you can oh, get. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So if you make ninety five mile per hour pitches, you should see Lexi's face. She does not like this at all. If you get I dropped my pen. If you get, you illegalize 95 mile per hour pitches and automatically, the player automatically gets to go to first, more opportunity for points. Now, I've said a lot. Lexi has not had a chance to say anything. I feel like I've said, she asked me a question, I've answered. Do you all feel satisfied that I've answered your questions at least? No, I don't. I don't feel satisfied at all. You did not answer to me. Okay, so let's just call a spade a spade. You're not picking on 95-mile-an-hour pitches. You're picking You're picking on the fastball. That's what you're picking on. You're picking on that specific pitch, which is a fastball. I don't know very many men out there throwing 95 and above-mile-an-hour screwballs. If they are, you're a genius. So I want to know specifically why this pitch is the pitch that you want taken away. I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> did you just bring up notes? I did. You're the worst. So, <laughs> you're the worst. We already got to, you're the worst. So, here's the MLB batting average against 95 mile per hour fastballs for uh, 2008 to 2016. Here's just a sample size. So, 0. 0.238 in t- 2008, 2009, 0.242, 0.241, 2011, 0.230, 2012, 2, 0.233, 2013, 0.240, 2014, 0.234, 2015, 0.246, to hit a breaking ball. Tell me how hard it is to hit any breaking ball. Curveball, changeup, all of these things. My argument is that it is just as hard to hit a changeup as it is a fast pitch. Or I'm sorry, a fast ball. So you pull up and, and you tell me the statistics on that's why you throw those pitches. You throw those pitches because they're supposed to be hard to hit. You're just mad because you can't see the ball go by you and you can't hit it. That's not my fault. It is just arguably as important as, as to have in your arsenal as a pitcher as every other pitch out there because it's, 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 it's the same strategy whenever you're using it against a batter you and your catcher it's 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 not hey i don't have anything to throw let's just let's just throw a good old-fashioned uh fastball in there and, and and see if they hit it that's that's not how it is even though a lot of people tend to think that for some reason it's just what you automatically throw it is just as strategically important as any other pitch that is in your arsenal so why specifically are you just picking on the speed because it doesn't matter the speed it matters the technicality and the fundamentals of how that pitch is thrown. Sure, but we got to start somewhere. <laughs> oh, God. 
That is the weakest <laughs> argument. You can't just you can't just pick one out of a hat. No, we got to start somewhere because I'm going to start with the fastest, most popular one, the biggest, most most visibly um, popular in terms of its pitch. I'm going to take the strongest one away. Because it is literally the fundamentals of just throwing. That's all it is. There is nothing mechanically different than just an overhanded throw. Like, say, you, you, you get a grounder, pop fly, anything, and you are throwing to a base. It is the same fundamental principles as a fastball. So, I, t- so you take away the fastball, and you're doing nothing but throwing. So every other pitch that comes off of your arm, like I said, drop balls, Curveballs, sliders, screwballs, rise ball. Well, you don't have rise balls in, in in baseball, but you have drop balls and you have changeups. All of the down to the grips, to the way they are thrown, to the mechanics in your arm, they are all fundamentally different than actually just throwing a fastball. So you take away the fastball and you no longer have that in your arsenal. Your pitchers are going to last half a season because there's no way that you can keep up throwing all of those different pitches constantly. So not only are you just like going to wear out the mechanics in your arm, you're probably going to tear more rotator cuffs than you'd ever want to imagine. I mean, you it's you are you you are taking away what is lit, aside from running and the wheel and fire, the fundamentals of these things. You can't take away <laughs> the fundamental thing that has made up baseball simply because you don't like how fast it goes. Because something tells me you probably haven't hit a ball that goes that fast. Have you ever seen one? Has anyone ever gone by you before? I want to know how many batting cages you've been in. Better yet, why don't you tell me how many mounds you've pitched from? I agree about the injury thing. It's a damn good thing we're only playing one series a week in 82 games oh! a year. Okay, so you get to have one thing that to change the game. You don't get to have all four. They're not going to come to you and be like, I listened to your podcast, Rudy, and let me tell you, you have some stellar ideas. We're going to implement all four right now. Hey, this isn't Lexi's perfect plan to (laughs) fix the MLB. This is Rudy. Who do you think you are, Brad Pitt? (laughs) What am I supposed to be, Jonah Hill over here? I, 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 no, no. Okay, so again, I don't think that you have quite explained to me why you hate the fastball so much. I said we're just taking away the fastest pitch. We're just taking that one away. We're just starting Why not to... take away the slowest pitch? I didn't say that I wasn't opposed to taking away other pitches. No, oh, no, I'm, no, I'm okay no, with no. that, too. No, no, Trust no, no, me. No, no. I'm okay no, no. with illegalizing other pitches, too. I'm just starting well, there. Just, the, and the, let me put it this way. You as, as you mentioned, if it's... I just have to say this real quick. Because I've, if it's if it's so inconsequential the speed then why do you care if we get rid of it that no no no. why do you care to get rid of it it's not it, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter then get rid of it because it does, like i does. said it go it goes it goes back to the mechanics of the arm why are you taking away the fundamental thing that actually just i'm makes- just starting with the fastest pitch I'm just going to get rid of the fastest pitch. So, I, hey, I'm I'm not, I'm not I'm okay with getting rid of possibly the slowest pitch too. I'm going to just start there, and I will chip away slowly through the years at other parts of a pitching. But I'm going to start with the 95 mile, mile per hour fastball. You could throw a 90 mile per hour fastball. No, no one's saying you can't perfect the 90 mile per no, hour. No, no, no. Now, now, see, this is That's also fine. something that you had said is that somehow you think that you can just get pitchers to just magically get their arm to throw slower. And not and, and it not be a specific pitch that is learned by the way you grip it, which is how you throw all other balls and make them go slower. You just want the mechanics of the arm to slow down in time and make the ball go slower. That's not possible. So you're saying that with that's that, that's that, that, that's like trying to swing slower. Like I mean, <laughs> no. So you're saying with all of the advancements in in how the human body works. The one thing we can't do is train a child from the age of, 
I don't know, adolescence to adulthood to throw below 95 miles an hour. That's the one thing we can't I out. do not believe that that is a thing. And here, humans the, can learn how to here, flip. They the, can <laughs> they can learn how to tackle with their shoulders. They can literally do three sixty variations of their entire body going upside. I'm talking about gymnastics here. All right, flip on bars, coach. flipping okay, on beams, so, but controlling their one arm to throw at a at a at a slower velocity, which is actually safer for the arm than the higher velocity. That we can't train them to do. Okay. All right. So I didn't realize that I had stumbled onto the gymnastics podcast. I am so sorry. Ray, has has everything just magically changed? Because you will school me on anything in gymnastics. But I'm telling you right now, where your argument falls flat on this, you have never been a pitcher, nor have you ever been on a field and played at any level of any. So that's where I'm coming from saying, I was a pitcher, even though I was not overhand. You cannot fundamentally change those when you're trying to throw a fast pitch or a fastball. It just doesn't happen. You, I think that maybe you can turn and twist your body in the air to make it go slower. That's fine. But your one, but your right but arm, until, your right arm is you, untrainable. Until you have that well, experience that, well, behind you, your belts for for you to offer up to me what you can actually do to yeah, change. Moderator, where's the moderator? Well, you're, you're, on to, the moderator? you're on to something. You guys are on to something. So let me let me put it back. So Lex, you're on to something, and I want to pose this question back to to Rudy in a um in a more mediated um. <laughs> tone here so so rudy you know lexi has a point like you're 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 almost you're proposing that the mlb unlearn one of the most fundamental training aspects of that revolves around a key position in the sport so how does that how does that rule affect the training i mean obviously the existing generations are going to have the most difficult time but the future generations coming up through the sport would obviously have an easier time because they would be trained from uh, from conception when they start meaning when they start playing up until when and if they get in the big leagues. So what does what does that look like in terms of training methodology? I think it would probably be very similar to the NFL, right? So when the an NFL illegalized head hits, right, and then they illegalized head hits, and and it, you had to tackle with the shoulder, avoiding any head collision. There was definitely that period in between the transition period where it was really rough and defenses had a hard time and there were a tremendous amount of penalties on the defense and it was very frustrating for defenses. There were a lot of complaints, people saying, well, let's make the game safer. It's 10 times harder. I can't control my body at that level of speed. You don't understand. You've never played football. We heard all the same arguments again. But then over the course of a generation, what do we see? We see professional base football players who can hit with the same level of ferocity using their shoulder and avoiding their head. Will there be a rough, maybe messy transition for a couple growing pains? Yes, but the human body is capable of learning anything. And no, you're trying to get the human body to unlearn things. No, 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 no. So what does that mean? Does that mean we can only see players? I care about the ones coming up. So it almost seems like just because I even I'm having a hard time conceptualizing this rule because the natural throwing motion, you know, is to throw as hard as you can as a pitcher and even as a fielder to in order to get the ball to the bit to the basement on time to get the out. And you're asking the pitchers, not the not the fielders, but you are asking the pitchers to throw different now. And one of the only one of the one of the reasons why we have other pitches is to reduce or alter velocity 
For example, the fastball sets up the changeup, much like the running game sets up the passing game, which sets up play-action pass in the NFL. In MLB, you have that same strategy where you use your your heaters to set up your off-speed stuff to throw off the batter's timing with the swing. So does that mean that, and not to say, I mean, if you're getting rid of the fundamental fastball, does that mean we're only going to see three-seam, four-seam fastballs going forward? Because those ones do have a reduced velocity that is typically not in the 95-mile-plus range because everyone's standard fastball is typically around that range, you know, depending on, especially when they're younger. The younger they are, the stronger they are. It's not like, uh, you know, like Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, towards the end of his career, was throwing around like 89, 90-mile-per-hour fastballs, but that was countered by his changeup, which was almost 10 miles per hour slower than he had a beautiful changeup, which is why what made it so effective. But not every pitcher can throw like Greg Maddox. So what, is, what, what do pitchers have to do? Does that mean some of them have to get rid of the two-seam two fastball and just rely on a three- and four-seam? I think that's possibly in play. I definitely think it's possibly in play. Just like with the NFL, there were certain styles of tackling that are completely illegal, and are, are are you you certain players that in today's NFL would not have the advantages they had in different eras based on the rules. But that goes for every sport. I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, as Steph Curry, for instance, Steph Curry, given his size and given the way the game is played now is able to thrive in the current framework of how the NBA works based on the current rules. And so he may not have been able to have the same advantages if he played in the 70s or in the 80s due to just how rough teams were defensively, how much was allowed. So yeah, it might mean that certain pitches are phased out. Again, I was never, I know that this is viewed upon as I'm picking on one pitch. I'm not opposed to illegalizing other pitches. I want to just start there. Let's start with the fastest one and work our way out. Uh, If it requires pitchers to master throwing at 90 miles an hour or 92 miles an hour 93 miles i think if you train a child from the time they're the time they start playing a sport to master one thing at a certain velocity it's more than capable being done we literally see humans all over the world learn the most impossible things any type of sport any type of trick every trick that's impossible today in one sport the next day becomes possible oh no one can throw that far no one can throw that fast that's impossible and then lo and behold it is. And so scaling things down, and I don't think that that's impossible. Tough for the current generation, 100%. But impossible for the generations coming up, for the child who only ever has known that you can't throw anything beyond that mile and understands how to use the muscles in his body to hit a specific velocity every single time, that's more than doable. We do it all the time in all kinds of sports across the world. And while I do agree with that, that yes, if if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to take away the fastball, then obviously the generation's coming up. You're basically just taking kind of what Raymond touched on, which is like the two-seam or the three-seam or the four-seam. You're just taking away that pitch, essentially, not necessarily the mechanics of it. You just it's it's The goal is not to learn how to throw it differently to make it go slower. You just don't throw it at all. You're just going to invent a different pitch, basically, a different way to grip the ball, a different way that's going to enable you to use the same mechanics as a fastball. However, it's going to come off of your hand in a different way, and it's going to be below whatever velocity. However, if 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 there's always going that pitch is always going to be faster than other pitches. So are you always going to have to cap it? So the generations that learn into that, are you going to have to go back and do that? But while I understand that you can teach it in a different way, much like they've made adjustments like you were talking about in the NFL with tackling and, and all of these things, 
Yes, that is doable. Yes, that is something that will take some time. But my point is, why are you picking on the fastball itself? Like that, that's my point. It, like, are you just upset because nobody can hit it? Like, that's what, what makes it effective. The point is to get the batter out. What's the point anymore? Just to get everybody on base? So every, is this just a participation trophy type situation now? Like, are we just going to make sure that everybody gets on base? I don't care. No, I want to, I, they need to be out. They need to be. So just, so your statistics to me are honestly, I think help support my argument as to why it is an important pitch is because. Nobody can hit it, just like nobody can hit all the other pitches, which is why you throw them. And this is essentially my argument from the beginning. Now, what, exactly what are the, what are the other stats, no, though? What are the other well, stats hold with on, pitches? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my argument from the beginning. You want more play. You want more people on base. But the whole point is to get them out. So I feel like you're fundamentally changing the essence of the game and what it really represents just because you want everybody to be on the field. Okay, that's the point the point isn't to keep the fundamental essence of the game because we're keeping the fundamental essence of this game so much that no one cares anymore and and slowly but surely baseball is dying and not even slowly but surely quickly and fast it is dying it is dying in ratings it is dying in um, relevancy it is going it, within i would say 10 to 20 years this sport won't even be the third most popular sport in right. America. And then my argument goes back to saying that, well, you don't have the games that last this long in like collegiate play or 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 even high school. It all goes at a faster pace. So you you take away the the, the different kinds of games, much like they did with with what they implemented today or whenever they took away batters being able to step out of the batter box in the middle of, of pitches, you know, slow to, 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 to mess with the pitchers and slow the game. But they took they took that away. I understand making those adjustments to speed it up. But then at some point, it, media has got to be involved in this. No, see, but this is the problem. This is going back to my fundamental argument from the very beginning of this conversation is that the one problem the MLB has is it's unable, it has not, started to manufacture more points for the offense. What I'm typically looking for in a perfect world, this is me in a perfect world, but here's my happy medium. In a perfect world, MLB games end and the scores are 15 to 12, 16 to 13. That's what I want to see. But I understand that that is very difficult to do and would require a, some drastic changes that would fundamentally change it beyond a, a level even I'm willing to do. But here's the happy medium. If every game was 8 to 10, 7 to 9, and you're getting one home run an inning in your seven inning in your seven inning game, that or or at least one or two points scored almost every inning, every other inning, that makes for a much more exciting version of baseball. I'm not interested in preserving the game as it's been held for the last hundred years. I'm interested in getting more eye, more butts and seats and more eyeballs and televisions. And the way we do that in America is more points. So what, what, what I'm what I'm like you said, you've said it many times. No one can hit the 95 mile per hour fastball. Great. So we're going to get rid of that. That's not true. I did never say you that. You literally said that. I didn't you say literally I just... said you couldn't do it because you haven't been no, in the No, I'm not a professional box. baseball player. Well, obviously. Or the equivalent of whatever you could hit at your skill level. I'm just saying you're upset because you would not be able to hit the fastball. I think that if anybody sits there and trains long enough on a pitching machine or however they train, I know there's many advancements in training and batting these days, you see it long enough, you're going to be able to hit it. Uh, clearly, because people are doing so well against it. So so Some what What about do. the notion? So these are the ones that shine. So you, you're, you're, a lot of your argument is focused around the fastball. What about other pitches? So we know... That there are certain statistics well, actually, that's we just, can this look. Is, this is so, Raymond. Hold on. This was actually the argument I had, the question I had for Lexi. So you guys have thrown a lot of questions at me. I haven't been allowed to throw any questions back. Mm. So, 
then if you don't like that, what? How do you manufacture more more points, and how do you limit the power of a pitcher so that off that batters have more advantages to get on base more and actually score more runs? How do you limit the power of a pitcher if you don't like my proposal? Well, originally, whenever you, you told me that I had to come at you with how do I feel that we can improve the game and the speed, not specifically how to manufacture more runs. So I was coming with you shorten the innings. That was my argument. But you already took it as your point number three. So here I am left with no argument because I don't I, I don't want to speed the game up in the way you do. I don't want to take anything away from pitchers. I don't feel that I personally I don't feel that the the pitching mound or the pitcher is necessarily where the pitches I don't feel is where you need to be going with this. Well, here's the problem. In American sports and this is another reason why baseball doesn't work in the modern era. In American sports, in almost all sports, in the, especially in this era, the person with the ball or the puck generally is in charge. He, his goal with that ball is to generate points. The person who is holding the ball. In baseball, it's the opposite. The person who's holding that ball, his goal is to take away points from you. So we have to limit the power of that player because we have to give the power to the guy who's batting. So there's, you, uh, it, you already but, have limited the pitcher so much. He has a tiny, tiny, tiny little radius in which he can throw in where it actually counts. That is limiting so much yes, to so, the point where we actually had to start inventing different ways to throw it into that tiny little box and that tiny little glove in order to get it past the batter. Yes, he's so limited that the most successful batters in the world still strike out seven out of ten times. That's how that's how that's how tough he's got it as a pitcher. I want to switch that ratio and I want when a batter goes up there, it's closer to four, five, and six. That a great batter is batting somewhere. I'm and that sounds extreme. It does. But again, I'm looking for a baseball a world where baseball scores end between eight to twelve points, somewhere in that range every game. Not just once in a while. I wouldn't necessarily have a verbatim plan on how to do it but my mind the first thing I think is you you look to the base running first if you that's where I would go if I had to try and figure out how to manufacture more runs like you're saying get more get more batters on base and move this game along at a little bit quicker of a pace my mind would automatically think you need to look at the base running and analyze how that is set up which honestly especially with a tag up on a pop fly rule you know, I, I feel that they've already whittled it down as much as they can to make it move faster. But for some reason, to me, base running seems like the way to go to, to, to focus in on that and really analyze that and pick it apart if you want to propose what what you want to propose. Sure. And again, I think this is the fundamental problem with anybody who ever proposes how to fix the MLB. I've heard a million different arguments. For instance, in order – this goes back to the NFL, right? One of the one of the main things the NFL has done year after year in an effort to help generate more points and to protect their protect their hottest commodity, their most important commodity, though, is so many rules around protecting the quarterback. Right. Can't hit the quarterback. You know, you can't hit the quarterback certain ways, can't hit the quarterback at certain times. I mean, the, the rules around protecting the quarterback are there's so many more now than there have ever been before. Right. And because he has the ball more than any other player and has the is the one player that can con control the destiny and influence the destiny of a game more than any other player right he is the, he and he has the ball 
This is kind of the same thing, and I hear it from everybody who loves baseball. We all want to skirt around everything but the pitcher. We no one wants to mess with the pitcher. And I I've heard of many people's arguments, but and I'm going no. I disagree with all of you. It starts with the it ends with the guy who's controlling the ball. He is the one that we have to start controlling. He's the one we got to start messing with. He's the one that we've got to start we've got to start figuring out ways to take away the power of the pitcher and put it in the hands of the batters. And that's the only way because until we get that, until that starts to happen, it doesn't matter all these things that you and other people saying, we could put it down to 7 innings, we could put it down, but at the end of the day, Americans more than anything, they love points and they want to see points scored. And even with the television ratings of the NFL, the more points they started scoring, the way the more they started manufacturing, the ratings go up. People love the points. Well, I think honestly what you have to do is maybe this is all just a moot point because they just implemented a new rule today with your precious pitchers and limiting what they can do. So let's uh, watch. We're going to watch this season and everything's going to be so sped up and they're going to save baseball. That's what's going to happen. Oh, right there. <laughs> yeah, right there. Moderator, you've been very quiet during all this. Hey, I'm just uh, I'm just here for the ride almost at this point. I'm just <laughs> kind of on the boat watching it tip from one side to the other, but I, I stay right in the middle and I just kind of have my life jacket on and I'm just waiting for it to tip in either direction. So I'm covered no matter what happens. So like if I'm going overboard, I am safe. So but but I will say like, you know, like what are the other statistics with other pitches, you know, because we know from some of the stats that exist out there that some of the other pitches also have lower percentages, perhaps not as low as the one example you gave. Now, technically, some people argue that the fastball is the easiest pitch to hit because it is the most uh, linear pitch to hit. It's it's the, the one pitch that doesn't have, it doesn't have movement. It doesn't have, um, it, it, its velocity is, is usually going to be in the 90 range, either between 90 and 100 miles per hour. So when you when you do a scouting report and you're expecting that pitch from a particular pitcher, it also depends too, if you know that pitcher's got a limited repertoire of pitches, you know, you know there's a one in three or one in four chance you're going to see that pitch and he happens to use it, you know, 80% of the time, then your guessing game is a lot easier in that regard. So, but what about other pitches that we know also have players have a difficulty time or six more success hitting? Do you designate that pitcher, that pitch to be used more often? So we know that, you know, four seam fastball, for example, there's a lot of big time pros that crush this ball in, you know, in absurd numbers, well over 400 range. But the MLB average for the four seam fastball in 2018 was 347. Um, and so what about, and then we have two seamers and sinkers. We know that a bunch of guys, once again, was well over 400 in the 500 range for the top pros, but we know the MLB average was 349. So these, some of these pitches are already in the range where they seem to be generating, you know, more success for hitters throughout the baseball. But then we go into some of the more complicated pitches like cutters, sliders, and curveballs, which, you know, again, excluding the players that are very unique, like your Mike Trouts and your your Ryan Zimmermans and those kind of guys, the major league average for those three pitches is 267. Now, would you do something, this is all in 2018, not last season, but 2018. I don't know what the stats are for 2019. Would you argue that some of these pitches, some of these, these, these three aforementioned pitches would also need to fall in this unique category of, you know, the fastball? 
where where the fastball's yeah. too fast and too crazy. Yeah, maybe we get rid of some of those too. We just get those suckers out of here too. Cutters, sliders, to and curves. Way. You're not supposed to have that grin. <laughs> yeah, let's get rid of some others. Let's go. Hey, let's start hacking away at some of these pitches, man. He's a murderer. He's turned into a murderer, and he just wants to murder baseball pitches now. Yeah, That's Raymond, crazy. don't don't just add a, don't add more fuel to my fire. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, maybe you're right. Hey, maybe we keep maybe we keep the fastball and we just legalize those pitches. We get rid of those. I, I think a pitch count is an is a nice reasonable place to to start the the discussion for trying to generate more runs. You know, because a lot of times pitchers will take their time to try to, you know, they're they're trying to wear out the batter. They're playing a, a kind of a silly a silly psychological game where they're 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 where you know they're they're messing with the patience of the batter. And I, th- I oh, think absolutely. A, a pitch I, clock needs to be implemented, yeah. in my opinion. I agree with you because they 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 took away that mind game that batters played, like I mentioned earlier, like stepping in and out of the batter's box, uh, you know, constantly calling time, slowing it down. So I agree that if you if you take that away from the batters, which is a very fun mind game to play, you can't allow the pitchers to do the same thing because that's exactly what they're doing. Well, yeah, I, I think it should go both ways. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, you just like how the pitcher has to commit, otherwise. Once he's set, you know, then he's charged with a balk if he tries to come off uh, the mound. You know, the right. sa- same rule applies both ways. So I, I think so, too, because then you, you force both players to stay disciplined, stay committed to their roles and, and, you know, fulfilling the play so we can get to see what the hell happens instead of watching them play this weird game where it's like, now I'm out of the box. Well, now I'm off the mound. Now I'm out of the box. Now I'm off the mound. You know, it's just like get to it already. Well, I would say this. I, I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that. I, when you said pitch count, I, I thought you meant like a pitch clock. Maybe a pitch clock. When you said pitch count, I thought, are you suggesting that every pitcher can only pitch like sixty pitches, and once that, he automatically has to get out of the, off off the mound? Well, they already have a cap, do they not? Do they not regulate? Well, no. I mean, they've they've got they counts. Sel- that, they self regulate. Yeah, they self regulate based on what they know are, of the pitcher's if, stamina. Yeah, but if they were like maybe. Every pitcher, you got fifty pitches, and but then you're, you're off. You're talking no about what. like a bouncer just sitting all over on the side with a freaking clicker, and yeah. then he's like, "Buddy, you got one more." You're and he's done. like, "I'm I'm at the height. I'm ready to you're, go." You're out. Well, what about this? Here, here's a here's a weird one. I'm here's just a throwing weird rules one. out now. Here's a weird one. Yeah. What if you not necessarily a pitch limit? You know, a pitch count. I mean, there is a there is a pitch count in the game already, but a also a pitch limit. What if you said you can only throw forty fastballs or fifty curveballs or you know, uh, forty-five change-ups or something like that. I think you're That's getting like Dr. Seuss only being able to use so many like uh, words or whatever. <laughs> That's why Seuss. he had to rhyme with everything because he's only given so many words to work with. This sounds. I'm just playing oh, devil's man. advocate. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be bit, neutral here. I'm trying to post questions both ways here because I know I've been throwing but lots you've of questions. You've opened up Rudy's a can way. of worms here, Lex. Oh. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put this on you. You were like, well, what? It was away. Let's 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 start looking at some other pitches and let's see. Let's get my my little MLB machete and start cutting down some other trees <laughs> in this world in this little forest of baseball. Oh, Let's see what God. else we could hack and slide. Why stop there? You know what, soccer? You're kicking the ball too damn hard. You know what? Just we. We we gotta we gotta knock that out. Let me explain something to you. As a true red blooded American, I do not care about soccer. <laughs> I want them to keep their rules exactly how they are, so it stays as un as unpopular as possible in the United States. I care about the football sport where we use our hands the whole time. That's the one I care about. The evolved like version taken, of it. The evolved version of it. I like. I will say this about soccer. They've actually improved soccer a lot. And here's what they started doing. They shrinked up the fields, 
right? They took the net. They turned it into a hoop. They put it in the air. They used their hands now. And it's oh called basketball, and it's a way better sport. It's a you know, way better you know, sport. I, you know what they are discussing in baseball is they're trying to they're discussing making the the fields, you know, the the boundary the boundary that's that surrounds the field. They're trying to make that universal like it is in football. Like it's not like you like know, how's the green monster legal? How yeah. is that legal? So weird. That's insane. So weird. That's a, you just have this wall so no one can hit a home run on one side of the field. How's um, that? Well, legal? unless they go above the the green monster. So that that would be like that would be the equivalent of like in the NFL if the if the if the Niners just put up seating on the right side of the touchdown area and they're so, just like so well you can't distance, make a touchdown there you yeah, can't make a touchdown we've, we've got seating yeah. there or like oh my <laughs> god I can't believe we're going to travel to Kansas City this year it's a hundred thirty yard field we have to go <laughs> an additional 30 yards <laughs> to yeah. score but only on the only on the visiting team side on the yeah. home team side it's 100 regular yards now yeah. i encounter that in softball sometimes you would go to fields and you it was different size outfields and if you're an outfielder you have fun <laughs> running all that extra time i'm all for the standardization there's a, you know i'm all for standardizing a lot of different things in baseball but that is definitely one of them too i'm okay i think I'm that's okay one that everyone i think can, we're saving the mlb most people most people can get on board with just because it's it's odd it's odd that you know the a's have this weird huge foul territory that you know really gives them a unique advantage in getting outs for from foul balls that you would otherwise not be able to get in other stadiums because they would it would be um going into the crowd now rudy let me get back on topic here so you have a cap on the the top end of pitching velocity now what about the bottom end would you also put a floor to match the ceiling or would you leave that as it is already i don't know i haven't thought that far this is this is this is what i presented so because we already have lots of crazy slow pitches out there you know you have a you have a changeup, you have a knuckleball you have a screwball not very common i mean the changeup is very common but the knuckleball and the screwball are very uncommon you know the last time i saw a really good knuckleball i know there's some that exist today but i think the one that i liked the most was tom candiotti um, AKA the candy man for the Oakland athletics. He used to throw a knuckleballer in the sixties, um, which is very difficult to hit. And I think, uh, Jim Sear also for the A's threw a screwball. But yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. No, but, uh, I feel like, I feel like I will say this. I feel like, uh, I'm really curious to see what the gold cast nation thinks about this argument. What do they think about my attempts to save the MLB and Lexi's attempts to keep it right where it is and just follow those ratings in to the depths of hell? <laughs> well, that, that I want to see what everyone thinks. So go to YouTube.com slash the gold cast. We love that's usually where the hub is. Go to there. That's where go to the YouTube comments and tell us what you think about. Uh, what three universal rules that most people seem to agree with, and everyone gets everyone gets in a tizzy about rule number four, and the death of the ninety-five mile any pitch at ninety-five miles per hour, but it's obviously the fastball, the ninety-five per hour fastball. I'm not opposed to that, Raymond. I'm not opposed to legalizing other harder to hit pitches. I'm not opposed to that. maybe maybe that's it. Maybe what we do is we keep the ninety-five mile per hour fastball and we legalize a couple other extremely hard pitches and get rid of that. Who knows? Who knows? I I don't know. But when I look at my crystal ball and I look at the world that I have created in my pocket universe 
I see an MLB where the we spend a week prognosticating about what the series is going to be. It's a very intense series, and it has a lot of points, and it is back up to the third or second most, well, the third right now, but the second most popular sport, even more popular than the NBA. I see a world where kids all over the place love baseball, love America's pastime, and they're ready to celebrate it and do it and play this sport again because it's so cool. There's so many points, so many runs. Kids' little Tommy Johns aren't as nearly as intense anymore because they're not wearing out their poor little arms. And we have a world where baseball, baseball, we made baseball great again. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you went there. <laughs> so, so that sounds like that. That sounds like your final thought. So, so Lex, what is your final thought on the discussion for tonight? In particular, the the position that you seem to be most against. I appreciate all points and arguments that were presented here tonight, (laughs) even the unfounded ones towards the end. (laughs) But more importantly, I am on the stands, and I'm going to stay on the stands, that I don't like taking things away from the pitcher. I do not think that this is a very productive, healthy way to go about it. I personally think that if we're going to start somewhere, you need to start a base running. What that means, I don't know. If somebody wants to dazzle me with some genius ideas, I'm open to it. Clearly, I'm open to a lot of discussions tonight. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, that's that. That's my position is that I do not agree with Rudy on point number four. Says the former pitcher. And I, exactly, and athlete who has played this game before. And and this is why this makes a great discussion, Raymond, because I am coming at this as a fan, and I am saying, here's what the people want to see. And Lexi is as as and is saying, but this is what an athlete experiences, and these are both excellent viewpoints, and is why I think this argument really works. Is I'm a fan of baseball. She is an athlete. Uh, she's an athlete from softball, very close sport, and obviously has a very intimate knowledge of just how the mechanics of these two extremely similar sports work. Um, basically, just variations on one one basic concept. And so I thought it would make a great argument to see how an athlete views it. Versus how a fan sees it. The one who pays the tickets and pays for the money to keep those butts in the seats. Always with the opinions. And with that, we will leave the question to the Goldcast Nation. What do you guys say of the four amendments that Rudy presented and also the counter arguments to the fourth amendment, which is easily the most controversial of the four? So uh, shout out, sign, uh, you know, Go off in the comment section. Let us know what you think. And with that, we will conclude. We will save any other arguments and spouting matches for the next episode, which is how to improve tennis um, on the next episode of the Goldcast. <laughs> Followed by cricket. How does this thing work? <laughs> yeah, cricket. Is this a bat? We will discuss all of that in the yeah. next episode of the Gold. Curling. How do they make points anyways? We've got a solution. <laughs> yeah, curling, a la- lazy man's hockey. <laughs> uh, Raymond, do you want to sign us off since you're the moderator? That yeah, the yeah, I, I'm, I'm. So, so I'm, I'm your host, Raymond Solis the first baby, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Rudy Solis the third, and our esteemed co-host, 
Lexi Burrows. Lexi Burrows. Candlestick Burrows. Just kidding. Lexi Burrows. <laughs> every, every, shout out to Candlestick Will. Shout out to Candlestick Will. Yeah, every, every co-host now is Candlestick whatever your name is. Um, but So we will see you next time on the same Goldcast channel at the same Goldcast time. This is, is the Goldcast.